0: welcome to the series called the talk of the table where we're getting away from small talk and we're getting to the meat of the matter real powerful conversations that can change your world in this episode we're going to talk about how you can share your faith with other people or how you can understand faith in a deeper way. We hope that this talk will have an impact on you. I wanna invite you to stay to the end where I have some more information for you. And before you log off, don't forget to go to branchlife.church to fill out your connection card. We'd love to connect with you. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy this episode. Let's grab those and go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 is where we're going to end up today in just a couple of minutes. I just want to start off this morning simply by reading that together as we kick off a brand new series called The Talk of the Table. We're going to unpack this series for you this morning and hopefully whet your appetite for the rest of the summer as we sit in this kind of training discussion and this this, uh, encouragement to let's talk about faith. And we're going to talk about faith together, how to do that, what it looks like, and what could possibly be accomplished uh, when we all set our minds to this intentional conversation. In Mark chapter 2, in verse 13, Jesus is just starting his ministry, and he's gathering his disciples, and if you know a little bit about who Jesus picked as his followers, he picked the worst of the worst, right? Peter, he picked Matthew, a tax collector, he picked... Philip and Andrew and, and, and the fishermen. He didn't go find the elite of the world. He went and found people who were in need of saving. And he uh, tells us this story about how he found Matthew, uh, also known as Levi, and asked him to follow him. Matthew the tax collector, Matthew the thief, Matthew the traitor, right? This is who Jesus meets in Mark chapter 2. In Mark chapter 2 verse 13, he said, he, Jesus, went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he, he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to Matthew, follow me. And immediately he rose and followed Jesus. Verse 18, or verse 15, and get ready to circle. As he reclined at the table, circle the word table, as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him, and the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious elite, when they saw that he was, circle the word, eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to the disciples, why does he eat? with tax collectors and sinners. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, and this is worth underlining, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. We are beginning a series today all about the table that Jesus was reclining at with sinners, with tax collectors, with lawyers, with uh, uh, thieves, with liars, with disobeyers. We want to talk about what it would look like if we actually followed in Jesus' footsteps and sat at these same tables. But let's start by asking ourselves this question. Why in the world would we do that? Why would we purposely sit at the table with sinners? with cheaters, with rule breakers? Why would we sit at the table with people who don't believe the same way we believe, people who are not a part of the family of God, who do not hold the faith that we hold? Why would we sit at the table with people who we know are different than us, who have a different way of thinking, a different way of looking at the world? Why would we sit at that table? We wanna unpack the importance of sitting at that table. And when Jesus was sitting at that table. Surrounded by those same people. that He was asked that very question. Why? Why do you sit at the table with tax collectors. With traders and with sinners. And Jesus said I did not come to, to heal the healthy. I came to heal the sick. Why would we do that? Because those are the people who we need to sit with the most. Those are the people that need Jesus those are the people that need faith those are the people that need hope those are the people that need peace and we the followers of Jesus who know that peace and know that hope can offer that peace and hope to everyone in need it's one of the greatest privileges that we have as the family of God to a know that we are secure for all eternity and b be able to share that with others We just finished studying the book of Acts. And you know, my life is topsy-turvy when I can't be there for a series finale. And a couple weeks ago, we finished the book of Acts. I had my sermon written. I had the PowerPoint turned in. I had it locked and loaded. I had it prayed over. I was super excited to bring home the grand finale of the book of Acts. And God said, no, sorry, you've got to leave for Michigan. And Pastor Scott Got to do the grand finale. And I was super jealous about that whole situation. And I watched Pastor Scott on the live stream at 9 a.m. Shout out to everyone who's on the live stream today. And I was like, you know what? I think Pastor Scott was supposed to give the grand finale. He was supposed to deliver that message. He was supposed to encourage us and he encouraged me with some thoughts that maybe I, I wouldn't have had. And as he spoke to us from the Holy Spirit, I remember thinking to myself, as we're, as we're finishing up the book of Acts, right, and here's the whole point of the end of Acts, it's not done. God's not done. The story's not done. It's not finished yet. And it's a giant to be continued. And that there is something that we, the followers of Jesus, are responsible to continue doing. And that's to build the church. And God is not done yet. He is on the move, even in 2023 in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, and in Michigan, and in Canada, and in Africa, and in China. God's doing an incredible work that's continued from the book of Acts to today. And if you want to be part of that, What are you supposed to do? That's the whole point we're having this series, to follow up on the book of Acts and just give us a simple encouragement of how we can be a part of the greatest story ever written, how we can be a part of life transformation and world transformation and heart transformation day in and day out because we're a part of the family of God. You see, there's three things that we want to think about as we answer the question, why should we sit at the table. Those three things that we're thinking about today include this first thought. Number one, the mission is clear. The mission is clear. For all of us that follow Jesus, we've been given very clear instructions. How many of you have bought furniture from Ikea? Raise your hand. How clear did you find those instructions, right? No words. The Swiss just draw little pictures, right? And you just got to guess if it's all happening right or not. Not clear instructions are no fun. If you've ever met like a first or second grade teacher, they're super good at giving clear instructions, right? <laughs> Sit in your chair, fold your hands, listen with your eyes and your ears, right? And they're, that's clear, right? And the kids still don't get it. Sometimes I feel like we're the second graders and God is saying to us, now listen, I've got one thing for you. one thing, just focus on one. just one. Just one now. Don't, don't worry about your name. Don't worry about Tommy, right? Don't, don't, don't pay attention to the noise out in the hallway. I want you to do one thing, right? And Jesus has said it over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture to every single one of us. What has he said in the very beginning of the book of Acts? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be what? My witnesses. Where? Everywhere. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the world, God is saying, you have one job, you have one mission, you have one role, and that is to testify, to be a witness of the life-changing power of a relationship with Jesus. You are a life, if you are a follower of Jesus, that has been changed. You are a soul that has been saved. You are someone who has, was lost but now is found. You were dead, but now you are raised to life. There is hope unspeakable, peace unexplainable in the relationship with Jesus. What am I supposed to do with that? Testify. Be a witness. Let the world around you know that there is life-changing power in a relationship with Jesus. That's our mission, to be our witnesses. He says it over and over in scripture, the most famous being the instructions that he gives as he's ascending into heaven, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to do everything that I have commanded. And lo, I will be with you always. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. To do what? To make disciples. I got one thing for you, son, God says. I got one thing for you, daughter. I want you to witness. I want you to testify. I want you to be a light. I want you to be salt in this world. I want you to be the hands and feet and the mouth of Jesus. And that mission couldn't be clearer. How do we wrap this up? Other churches have said this. We say it often around here. Well, the mission is simply this. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. That's what God has called us to do. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinner. He didn't come for the perfect. He came for the broken. And that's every single one of us. And when Jesus finds us, when he found us and he brought us into the family of God, he simply follows up with this instruction. Now that you have been found, go find. Go find the other broken people the other lost people, the other dead people, and testify. See, the opportunity that we have, the mission that we have, the directive that we have is not to live comfortable lives. The goal of Christians and Christianity is not to become prosperous and rich and wealthy. It's not the end of all things, is to now have this security, and to bunker up, and to build walls, and to keep ourselves away from the world. No, we're supposed to be in it, not of it. God calls us not to prosperity, not to comfort, not to ease, but to pursuit of the lost. We've got to go find that which is lost. How many of you have ever, ever, by raise of hand, gone into your living room, your television room, gone to turn on the television only to realize you couldn't find the remote? Now here, raise your hand. How many of you have lost the remote? Isn't it the worst? Like you've already sat down and it's always right there next to you, and so you sit down you probably have your coffee in hand or your popcorn or whatever you're going to use, and you go to reach for it, and you start reaching, and then you reach a little farther, and then you reach into the, and then you start looking down, and, and I, please don't make me stand up to find this remote. It's got to be within arm's reach, right? And, and how, many of you, how many of you, when you realized it wasn't within arm's reach, just sat there? Anybody? I'm just going to sit here. And be content with the remote, that is lost. No, no, no. We all know what happens. The coffee gets put down, the, the 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 adrenaline starts racing. We get up off of our seats, and maybe you haven't knelt to pray in years, but you're kneeling on the ground, looking under the couch. Flipping over things, you're like, there's the Cheerios from last month, there's the dog's collar, don't know how that got there, that's my favorite pen, that pacifier's been missing for a decade. And you're like, where's the remote? And you start tearing everything, you're going to go to town, all in the pursuit of the lost remote. Why? So that you can sit back down, grab your coffee, and be comfortable. That's your goal. And what we won't do to pursue that lost remote, right? Amen? Amen? How much more important is the lost soul of your neighbor? How much more important is the lost soul of your cousin, of your aunt, of your uncle, of your sibling, of your coworker, of your classmate, of your teammate, of your camper? How much more important is the lost souls of the people around us? Yet we go for the comfort. We go for the couch-sitting, coffee-sipping, entertainment that we can fill our lives with. And we call it a day. We call it a week. We call it a life. And we know the lost world is all around us. We know that they're out there. But if they're not within arm's reach, how dare we put our coffee down and get off of our sofas? But what if God is saying to you, listen, life is more than coffee and sofas? Life is seeking that which is lost and finding it. And when you have been truly found by Jesus, when you are on fire for who God is and what he has done with your life, your natural reaction, it's not natural humanly speaking, but natural because your relationship with God will be to spread that light to others, to seek that which is lost, to go after that which needs to be found. And that will become, become a life pursuit. Maybe some of you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus, but you, can, you honestly can say, I haven't given much thought to the people that are lost. Maybe for you, this series needs to speak into that. And maybe you need to start giving thought to people that are lost. Start following into this passion that God has given us to say, are you concerned for the lost around you? Do you have empathy, compassion, concern, angst even, for the lost around you. Maybe, maybe you haven't thought about it before and, and now you're realizing that how important it is that Jesus said that this is what you gotta do, this is what Jesus did. So now God, help me in this series to have a concern for the lost. And maybe some of you are concerned for the lost, but you've been sitting on the couch and the lost are out of arm's reach and you haven't been willing to get up. And maybe you're saying, I need this series because I need to be encouraged to get up to go do something for the people that I know are lost around me, that God would use me to make a difference in other people's lives. I've got action that needs to take. Maybe you need to be concerned, maybe you need to take action, and maybe you just need to be encouraged today. Maybe you are someone who are seeking after people and you are talking to people about God. You're praying for people, you're investing, you're inviting, but you're not seeing that fruit. And maybe you just need to hear me say, keep going, keep at it. It is the mission and it is crystal clear what God has called us to do. Why in the world would we sit at the table with sinners? Well, number one, because the mission is clear. It is the assignment that we have been given. It's the homework that must be done. Number two, the reason we should sit at the table with the lost is simply this. The method is simple. It is not hard to share faith. It's not hard to testify. It's not hard to be a witness. And sometimes we overcomplicate it in our minds and our spirits. Sometimes this is an attack of the devil. You don't know enough. You don't have the right answers. You don't, you don't have the right story. You're, you're, not, you're not eloquent enough. You're not likable enough. Your homes couldn't be a place where people come to know Jesus. And you get these lies from the devil. And what happens is we start believing them. And let me just tell you today, listen, this is not rocket science. This is simple. This is something that can be done by every single one of us. If you have been saved, if you have been found, you can help someone else be saved. You can help someone else be found. You already know everything you need to know. And in Colossians, it lays it out so simply for us. And this is a a cornerstone verse here at Branch Life Church. Branch Life, we exist as a church to help people come to Christ. We exist to encourage disciples to make disciples. And we want to go deeper in our faith, like a branch in a tree, like a root in a tree, so that we can reach farther, see other people come to Christ. So if you're a disciple who wants to make good disciples, this is the church for you. We want want you to be on fire for Jesus with that. And so because of that, this is one of our cornerstone verses. Because of that, we celebrate baptisms, and when we do baptisms, we invite you to baptize the people that you've been a part of their faith journey with. It's it's why we have that that whole emphasis here at Branch Life Church. And in Colossians chapter 4 gives us kind of a layout of a simple method about how to see people come to Christ. And it says this, continue steadfastly in prayer. We, we believe in praying first here at Branch Life Church, right? And right here at the beginning of Colossians chapter 2, it says, you, this is the command, continue steadfastly in prayer. I've, I've got to pray. I'm commanded to pray. Prayer is not An afterthought. It's not a side thought. It is the thought, right? Continue steadfastly. I'm going to pray hard. It's going to be what we do, right? So continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray. So he's talking about pray again. Pray for us that God may open the door for the Word. When we pray, we're praying that God will open the door for the Word. This is interesting. Notice that the the challenge here wasn't to pray that people would get saved, although we should pray for that. That's not what this is asking us to pray for. What this is encouraging us to pray for is open doors for the word. In other words, we want hearts that are ready to listen to the words of faith. God is saying you need to ask For the opportunity to share your faith. Ask for it. Beg for it. Plead for it. Maybe, maybe if you start praying this prayer, God, would you give me opportunities to share my faith? Would you prepare open hearts? Would you open doors, right? And if you start praying for this, let me me tell you what is going to happen. Really weird things are gonna happen in your life. People are gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, hey, listen, I have a question about faith. And you're going to go, wait, what? Why? I, I thought you wanted to talk about football. Someone's going to come up to you and go, you, you go to church, right? And, and you're going to, yeah, could, could I go with you sometime? And you're going to go, wait, huh? I, th- I thought it was my job to invite you. You just invited yourself. Someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, I'm going through a really hard time, and I'm not sure what to do about it. I've seen you go through hard times, and I want what you have. Could you tell me what that is? And all of a sudden, what feels like for us, plowing the field, hard work, I got to go talk to someone and it's scary and I I don't know what I'm going to say. All of a sudden, when you pray about it, God opens doors. And some of you may or may not have experienced this in your life. You may or may not have experienced this radical uh, uh, answer to prayer that God does on a regular basis. God loves to answer this prayer. To open doors for the word. So he says, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray for open doors for the word so that you can declare the mystery of Christ. That's what we're sharing, on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear. God help me be clear, right? Which is how I ought to speak. Way better than being confusing. And we're gonna talk about that in the next few weeks. Then he says this Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Making the best use of the time. You know, if you're marking it up, which we encourage you to do it here at Branch Life Church, there's three words that we see in this passage. Number one, pray. Number two, invest. And number three, invite. We use these words on a regular basis here at Branch Life Church to to simply communicate a simple method for sharing your faith. Pray, invest, invite. Continue steadfastly in prayer. At the same time, pray for me. Invite, declare the mystery of Christ. This is how we ought to speak. I've got to use my words and invest. Walk in wisdom toward, circle, square, star, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. This is a picture of us going to them. We walk towards them to build relationship, we walk towards them to build friendship, we walk towards them to show them the light and the salt of the world. We're supposed to walk toward outsiders, why? Because there's not much time. There's not much time. And so I've got to be a part of this very simple method of praying, investing, and inviting. I've said it many times, if we get the prayer part done, right, it's over. So what we do at Branch Life Church, we just ask you to pray every day by name for at least one, at least one person who doesn't know Jesus, and every day just, and it could be a different name, it could be the same name every day, but pray every day for one. If you really want to go, go all out, you can pray for three names every day, and then every week, invest, invest in a relationship, invest in a, in a person, invest some time, invest some effort, invest some love, care, and compassion. It could be a coworker, it could be a family member, it could be a neighbor, it could be a teammate, but use your life to invest in others. We have story after story after story about how you can do this. We're gonna talk about this over this next series. But then invite. God did not ask us to be silent and people will not come to Christ because we're good smilers. They will come to Christ because of the words we share. And God asks us to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. I just have to pause as I share this next thought. I, I, I want to thank you all, oh, wow, for your support over these past couple weeks. I remember being here at Easter and saying around Easter that my brother-in-law Nick has cancer, and we don't know where that journey's going to take him, I had no idea that three months later he would be in heaven. And so at the beginning of this last month, we went up to help my family and my friend Nick and Christy and the six kids, my nephews and niece. As he was battling cancer and we came back home on a Wednesday ready to preach that closing series of Acts, only to get a call on Friday that, that he had had a brain hemorrhage and he wasn't conscious, and they were calling the family in, and we got to Michigan, and he passed away two Sundays ago today. So over the last couple of weeks, as Jenny and I and Delaney and Will have been together with family, you guys here have been such a huge encouragement to us, probably through one of the more difficult things we've ever been through. Thank you for the cards. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for those that have sent words, notes, and even money to Christy and her family. She would be opening cards on a regular basis and and she would go, I don't know this person. And Jenny and I would go, we do. I can't tell you how many times that happened. So thank you for doing that. I want to say thank you to Scott and to Alex and to Becky and to Todd and to the many others who just picked up the ball here and ran with it over the last few weeks, giving me the freedom to be able to be where we needed to be. Thank you guys very much. Christy, about 24 hours after Nick died, said, Josh, I have, a, I have a request. She said, could you speak at Nick's service? And she goes, I know you cry a lot, so it might be hard for you to do that, and I don't want to put you in a hard situation, but you knew him best. And I said, Christy, I would be honored to do it, and, and I sent you guys a note because I needed people to pray I said, Lord, would you please, please, please allow this to be a special moment for Nick and for the glory of God. And Christy said to me that there's a lot of people that are going to talk about Nick, but Josh, what I want you to do is I want you to share the gospel. So my role was to share the gospel with the people that would gather to honor Nick. And so... Two Thursdays ago, we gathered together with people from all kinds of different parts of the community, from all kinds of different places in Nick's life, kids from from, uh, my nieces and nephews' school, uh, people from the community, co-workers, people that Nick had worked for and done projects for, people that had grown up with them, all different walks of life, cousins and aunts and uncles from all over the country who gathered around. Over 500 people came to that service And my job was to stand up and tell people about the gospel. And what had happened over the course of the week since Nick passed away to the point of that service is Christy and all of us had said, we want to invite you to this this celebration of life. We want to invite you to this moment. We want to invite you to honor Nick. And we want to invite you to hear about Nick's Jesus. And then it was my job to explain why Jesus made a difference in Nick's life. It was my job to explain why we have hope after death Why we can have peace in difficult times. It was my job to explain that, yes, to 500 strangers, but also to six kids who just lost their dad. And so we did. I remember getting to the end of the service, and I said, is there anyone here that would like to pray to receive Jesus as their personal Savior? And I shared the gospel. I shared the gospel prayer that we share here every Sunday. If you want to know Jesus, it's very simple. You have to acknowledge that you're lost. I am a sinner you got to believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. That changes everything. He actually rose from the dead. Well, then everything he said is actually true, and then you have to accept the free gift of salvation. So we offered that there, and he said, is there anyone here that, that, that would want to accept Jesus and, and want to, has prayed that prayer? And at least four people raised their hand in that, in that very moment and accepted Jesus at that service. Amen. Turns out one of them was a family member. That had driven in from Indiana. Had heard the story all her life. And she shot her hand straight up. And then she got a hold of, of an aunt. And then us a few days later. And said I, I prayed to accept Jesus. They never really understood it. Until next service. Now what you can do. When you invite people. Is you can invite people to settings. Where they're going to hear the gospel. Sunday morning the beginning of a new series, the celebration of life, a 4th of July picnic, a baptism celebration, a child dedication. You can invite people to settings where they're going to hear the gospel. And that is a very important and powerful method. But it is a method that only takes place every so often. The third reason we should gather at the table Is because the opportunity that we have is daily. Do you know what's even better than inviting someone to a group worship service? Is being able to invite someone to Jesus one on one. And every day, you don't have to wait till the next worship service, you don't have to wait till the next celebration of life, you don't have to wait till the beginning of the next series. You can do it every day. You can share Jesus every day. And this is the pattern that Jesus showed us. He didn't wait for the next church service. He waited. He opened his home and his life daily to those that are lost. Now, I'm not saying one or the other is better or worse. One or the other is bad or good. I'm saying let's do them all. Let's have people over to our homes Let's go out to dinner, let's bring them to worship, let's invite them to our small group, let's do whatever it takes to make the lost see Jesus, right? And here's one thing that I think we probably tend to neglect is the daily opportunity to give Jesus to our friends. In Mark chapter 2 in verse 13 and 7, it says, "He saw Levi sitting at the tax booth. He said, "Follow me." And then immediately he reclined at his table. That day, he was at Levi's house, eating a meal together, eating with the other tax collectors as sinners, having Jesus and his disciples be a part of that meal together. And they said, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? He said to them, those who are well do not need a physician. I have come not not to call the righteous, but the sinners. You see, Jesus introduced us to the concept of intentional hospitality. Intentional hospitality is simply this, strategic, on-purpose sharing of what we have. Intentional hospitality is strategic, on-purpose sharing of what we have with others. In Hebrews chapter 13, our theme verse for the bumper says, do not neglect doing good, and to share what you have, for such sacrifice is pleasing to God. God wants us to give to others. Now, when we are intentionally hospitable, here's five things, and there's way more than five, but I only had so much time today, five things that happen. Number one, this is us following the example of Jesus. How did Jesus seek and to save that which was lost? Well, he was intentionally hospitable. He ate together with people. This is the pattern that Jesus set forward. He did not very often invite a ton of people to a worship service. He, he just went to their house. He built a relationship. Jesus said, hey, I want you to pray, I want you to invest, and I want you to invite And you know the one place you can do both investing and inviting at the same time? A meal. You can build a relationship and talk about faith. And those things can happen every single day. It's what Jesus did. Second, this confounds the religious. Religious people don't like this idea because they feel left out. They feel like somehow you are mingling with the swine. They feel like you're in danger, right? Religious people would rather eat with other religious people. And they have religious people conversations. Did you hear about so-and-so down the street that didn't pray correctly the other day? Did you see such-and-such driving in their car, speeding down the road? Can you believe that mother talked to her kids that way? Mm -mm -mm. we are so much better than them right and religious people like to just circle up circle the wagons stay together and keep away the bad folks and so when Jesus came up and said no no I'm gonna sit with the bad folks they went what is he doing does he not know he's gonna get dirty they're gonna rub off on his kids oh my goodness all of, all of a sudden, there's going to be some sort of big fungus that is going to take over. And they felt threatened. They felt confused. They felt confounded. And maybe if you're here today going, why would I do that? Why would I invite some people in my home that don't have faith like I have? Why would I ever spend time and money? Maybe, maybe your problem is you're a little bit more religious than you are in your relationship with Jesus. The other thing that it does is it, it looks different from host to host. Intentional hospitality does not have to be a giant meal that you serve with fine china every Thursday. That doesn't have, that's one way to do it. But there's thousands of ways to be intentionally hospitable. Maybe you just want to invite someone out for coffee and you want to sit at a cafe table. Maybe you love McDonald's breakfast, amen? I mean, is there anything better than a sausage egg McMuffin and a hash brown and some coffee? Maybe I can have a sausage egg McMuffin and a hash brown with coffee for Jesus. And I can take someone to to McDonald's. We can drive in the car. Maybe it's just giving someone a ride to the airport. Maybe that's your intentional hospitality. Maybe it's inviting someone to go play golf together. Amen. There's some intentional hospitality right there. Maybe Maybe it is serving a meal at home. Maybe it is having people as a part of your small group. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of ways to be intentionally hospitable to be able to sacrifice of what you have to give to someone else. And when you are driving in the car, giving someone a ride, you can be intentional in that moment to invest and invite to Jesus. It's going to look different from house to house. It's going to look different from season to season. Maybe you're a single person, and the way that you are intentionally hospitable is joining another family in your church that's inviting people over. Maybe you've got babies and it's just hard enough to feed babies and, and also feed strangers. And so you figure out, how do I hang out with other young moms in the afternoon and in an intentionally hospitable open our homes, open our playgrounds, open our, our, our lives to other people? It's going to look different from person to person, season to season, country to country, neighborhood to neighborhood. And all God is saying is intentional hospitality can happen in thousands of different ways. What way is it going to work for you? It also reflects the heart of the gospel. What is the heart of the gospel? The heart of the gospel is self-sacrificial love through radical generosity. Self-sacrificial love through radical generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave his Thursday nights. (laughs) No. That he gave his 20 bucks. Nope. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, the gospel is self-sacrificial love through radical generosity. When you give of your evening, when you give of your mealtime, when you give of your gasoline in your car, when you give of your lives, when you give of your, your finances, radical generosity in the name of self sacrificial love is the gospel in action. And I love my neighbor, so I want to radically give to them opportunities to come to know Jesus. And intentional hospitality takes the whole family, it takes all of us working together as a unit, the whole family, my kids my parents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, all of us. And when you're intentionally hospitable, you are teaching your kids how to share their faith. You are allowing your teenagers to participate in the spread of the gospel. When you are intentionally hospitable, you invite your small group into the conversation. You have some small group members be a part of the, that's why we ask our small groups to have hangouts where you just hang out with people. Why? Because it takes the whole family. We want to have bonfires and pizza parties and nights at the at the batting cage and going to the movies together so we can build relationships and invest and invite people to the gospel. It takes the whole church body when you finally finally get someone to say yes to coming to church and they come here, you know what? The church better be friendly and welcoming and expecting them as guests. We want them to have fresh free coffee. We want them to be able to sit and be comfortable. We want the air conditioning to be on. We want them to be able to have a parking spot. We want to be Friendly and and loving and giving and sharing and kind. Why would you ever invite someone to a church that's snobbery? Let's be friendly. And so it takes all of us working together to be intentionally hospitable. In Luke chapter 15, it says, What what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one until he finds it? What one of you who has 100 sheep doesn't leave them all behind to go find the one that's lost? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. In this series, we're going to be talking about how to have this intentional hospitality, how to have gospel conversations. And our goal is that there will be this summer, between now and the close of the series in September, 100 table conversations. And we want to track this. Our goal is that a 100 times between now and September, somebody will sit down with somebody else at a table, and remember that table can be a golf cart, it can be a truck ride, it can be a cafe table, a McDonald's table, a banquet table, a dining room table, doesn't matter what table, but you'll sit down with someone and have a conversation about faith or invest in a relationship. And maybe it doesn't get all the way to sharing the gospel. Maybe it gets part of the way in discussing who you are and what you believe. We're going to talk about how to have these intentional conversations, how to have the right spirit, the right words, the right mindset. And we want to track it over the next several months. And so what we're planning to do is if you have a table conversation, we want you to let us know on your card the next time you come to branch you don't have to tell us what happened you don't have to tell us how it went you just need to say i had a table conversation and then we will take a chair and we're going to represent this down in the cafe and we'll hang it down in the cafe and every time you come into worship during the series you're going to start seeing more and more chairs in the cafe and you're going to be reminded that there are table talk conversations happening here at branch life church in our community, at our homes. And you can be encouraged to invite someone into the conversation. You can pray for those conversations. And you can be reminded that God is asking us to do just this with our lives. Do you think we can make the goal of 100 table conversations in the next two months? If every family at Prince Life Church had one conversation, we double our goal takes everybody having one. If every person had one, we'd have 400 table conversations. I don't think the goal is big enough. (laughs) So I want to encourage us to have these table conversations. And to do that, we want to dream a dream. What if it actually happened? What if we had 100 table conversations, talk of the table? What could possibly be the fruit of that? Last week we saw 13 people get baptized in one day. 13 stories of faith. And what if that was every You know where we're going in our series. So you can participate whether you're away, you can catch up, you can be a part of it live online or watch it at some point over the next couple of weeks. But here we are in week one today. We're talking about the goal, the mission is that that is to have 100 table conversations over the next two months. Over the next three weeks, week two, three, and four, we're going to talk about the talk of the table, how to actually have gospel conversations. And our resource that we're going to be using is the Three Circles resource. How do, you, how do you explain your faith? And, and we want you to be a part of that discussion over the next three weeks. Myself, Pastor Scott, and Pastor Alex are going to be sharing uh, the three parts of this talk, and we're going to break it down as simply as we know how. Then in week five, we're going to talk about the agenda. And yes, we have an agenda. We have a game plan. It's pretty exciting. Week six, we're going to talk about you, the host, the heart of the host. Week seven, the heart of the guest, how to treat your guests, and week eight, the meal itself. What are we serving? And let me give you a hint. It's called radical generosity is what we're serving. We hope that this kind of uh, discussion and picture of this table conversations will encourage us each to have these talks each and every week. I want to ask Chris and Chloe to come up and to pray over this series, to pray over these table talks that we believe by faith will happen, at least 100 of them over the next weeks, pray over the series and then dismiss us.
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for this opportunity. And Jesus, we thank you for this mission. And we ask that we would embrace the radical generosity that you demonstrated, that we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit to be bold witnesses for you, and that we would open up our homes, that we would open up the resources that you have blessed us with to reach out to our friends, our family members, our co workers, our neighbors, and that we would see a, a revolution happen in this area, that we would see people get saved, people get baptized, that we would see disciples. Discipleship happened all across, not just Uh, this side of Pennsylvania, but all across Eastern America, all across the world, uh, that this would start right here, that a spark would lead to a flame of of the gospel being shared. And God, we ask for those 100 table conversations. Uh, We ask that you would make it happen in and through us, that you would open up doors and opportunities for people to uh, invite other people into their lives, into their space, and that you would bless those conversations. God, bless us with those 100 tables. God, do even more than we could even ask or imagine. We believe that you can do this. We know that you can do this. Jesus it's all about you it's not about us you are the hero of this story Jesus and we belong to you and so it's in your
0: name that we pray amen hey guys thanks for listening through that conversation today and my prayer is that you'll be able to have powerful conversations in the days and weeks ahead where you can share your faith and see others come to faith if that happens and someone comes to Christ because of your table talk would you let us know The best way you can do that is filling out your connection card anytime online at branchlife.church. We're there 24-7, and we would love to hear how God is using this series in your life. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue to have more conversation around the talk of the table.